Hello and welcome to Back in Control Radio with Dr. David Hanscom. Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of Back in Control Radio with Dr. David Hanscom. I'm your host Tom Masters and our guest today is Michael Hodge. He's a mind-body coach who endured five years of pelvic pain with urinary and sexual complications. His experience started him on a journey to discover the root causes of these issues, and in partnership with pelvic expert Dr. Brianne Grogan, he has helped over 1,000 men recover through a proven holistic treatment program. Welcome. Introduce uh, Michael Hodge. He's a gentleman who I had, had on last week, and he specifically deals with pelvic floor pain and dysfunction in men. And it is a massive need. I have friends who have had inability to urinate in public, major pelvic pain issues. And guys like most, most guys don't like to talk about anything personal, especially stuff like this. So Michael went through five years of severe pelvic pain, nagging urinary issues, deflating to sexual function in his 20s. He healed and he went on a deep path to discover the root cause of these perplexing mind-body issues. So he teamed up with a well-known pelvic expert, Dr. Brian Grogan, who's a physical therapist. <clears throat> he has helped over a thousand men recover through a proven program that's beginning to capture the aftermath attention of scientists and physicians hungry for a proven treatment. And he and Dr. Grogan <clears throat> have co-developed several programs. Their main website is www.transformpelvichealth.com. And we'll mention that later. And he is very comfortable talking about a very awkward subject, which really, after you even talked to Michael for a little bit, it's not so awkward anymore. So, Michael, thank you for being on the show. And your approach is unique, it's refreshing, and pretty impressive. So, welcome back. Thank you, Dr. Hanscom. And glad we're talking about this because there are a lot of men who are dealing with pelvic floor, urinary issues, sexual dysfunction, ED, and premature ejaculation. They're very high percentages of the population. And men are afraid to talk about these issues, yet they really, really, really want to fix these issues. So they may be afraid, but Google searches show that they're definitely looking these things up. And there's a big um, gap of information and in what's really causing the majority of these non-structural caused genitourinary dysfunction. So I help men overcome non-structural genitourinary dysfunction. Of course, if they had an accident, and their pelvic floor recently, when an infectious disease, a cancer, there are things that could be um, needing some biomedical assistance. But otherwise, a lot of this is being created by the brain, which we can get into more of. Again, we talked about why that's happening, but we can get more into you know how to overcome it. Right. So I just want to, again, emphasize what we did on the first podcast is that there is something wrong. Your body's physiology is off. And so when your body chemistry is off, your electrolytes are off, your SAB balance is off, your nervous system's off, that is a structural issue in a way. So not imaginary, your body, and you also said the word function, and function doesn't happen without movement, which is physiology. And <clears throat> so medicine's getting on this crazy rabbit hole of structure for everything. And so if you can't have an erection, that's a structural problem doesn't just happen. There's a reason for it. So I use the term medically explained symptoms. If you look at the body's physiology being in fight or flight, everything's wrong, including pelvic floor dysfunction is one of the possibilities. So Michael, I'm just guessing that one of the first problems you get into is getting people 
comfortable talking to you about your problems. And I know you don't go into deep psychoanalysis because that's not really the way we want to solve this. We want to get people to function and feel safe. So I'm just curious, I'm you know, coming to some pelvic floor dysfunction or sexual dysfunction. And how do you get me comfortable talking about it, thinking about it? Do the pre-operative, do the pre-visit YouTubes and stuff help that? How, how do people approach you? Yeah, oh, definitely. I mean, most people that find out about me to this point find out on YouTube or through podcasts. So they've already ingested some information that's helping them to open their eyes that there's something more going on down there. There's something more going on than just, I went to the urologist, you know, I went to my primary physician. In most cases, they've already done a lot of those initial steps. Sometimes they've even done multiple cystoscopies. They've done MRIs. They've done ultrasounds, blood tests, urine tests. Um, I get what I would call the really hard cases that come to my door, you could say. Uh, they've had a lot of things checked off. But of course, that's the first thing. If you haven't yet, check with your doctor and just see if there's anything uh, really problematic to look at. And um, if that's been checked off and you're still dealing with these issues, Yes. Ingesting information. You've written a great book, Dr. Hanscom, other books that are mind body oriented that would inform someone, YouTube, all these things can help you out. Beyond that, I like to have people share some of the things they've been dealing with recently. So current stressors and other life situations. I want to know what was going on around when it began or before it began. Um, if it's more of an acquired issue. So Let's say they didn't have erectile dysfunction until six months ago. I'm really curious about those things. Just opening up the conversation beyond the mechanical. Um, so that's very important. And then we can really dig deeper. Uh, because the first step that I take people through, we have, if you want to call it a four-step approach, is realize. And realizing that this is psychophysiologic or neurophysiologic, this is a mind-body syndrome. This is not just because I have, I've been riding my bike for the last five years, and this is probably because I've been riding a bike every day, or it's because I, you know, had a urinary tract infection one time. So maybe this didn't go away, or a lot of people are pinning something via what I call structural sometimes, but the way you use structural, you're just talking physiologic, which I appreciate that. If we can go outside the box of a regionally located dysfunction, because most people have been taught, I have a problem in my penis, my testicle, my pelvic floor, there must be something going on right there. I need to work with a pelvic floor physical therapist. I need to work with a urologist. I need to work with a proctologist. So if we can go beyond that and realize, oh, actually our brain creates pain 100% of the time. Oh, actually our brain creates many forms of dysfunction. Genital, uh, the, no, no. remember, of course, your brain creates function. I mean, you have the sympathetic, parasympathetic system for emptying the bladder, emptying the bowel, erections, non-erections. So people forget the brain is actually, well, not just the brain, the nervous system actually creates the function. So it's not functioning. The, fun the dysfunction has to occur in the nervous system as well as the body itself. And again, medicine has gone down such an incredible structural rabbit hole. It's unbelievable. And probably 90% of symptoms are from your body's physiology. And so, yeah, so you're going, what I like about your approach, okay, so there's dysfunction, what causes normal function? And that's where you, where you have to go is where the nervous system is. That's really well said. I love the way that you reframed that. 
And what does a healthy functioning nervous system look like? Correct. What is that type of organize, organism experiencing? And if you start to look at um, being in this fight or flight state, having the sympathetic nervous system activated so much because of your own potentially stress-inducing personality tendencies, if you put pressure on yourself, you're self-critical, self-judgmental, a perfectionist, hyper-responsible, overly conscientious, a lot of these traits. If you think about someone who is living life that way, not just for the last couple of days, but for the last 20 years, what is that doing to your internal state of possible proper functioning? It's right. deteriorating it. It's making it very challenging to be in stasis. And people forget the way the body works. It's, it's an incredible balance. I mean, beyond description. So, I mean, why do you feel like you have to empty your bladder? So your bladder's full. <clears throat> you have an impulse to your brain. It says my bladder's full. <clears throat> okay, that doesn't just happen. And when it's just arbitrarily emptying our bladder all day, we the brain, brain senses it's full, and the brain sends back a signal to the bladder, empty the bladder. We also have a sphincter that keeps the bladder shut until it's given a signal to release. See, if they have a sexual function, it doesn't just happen by a reflex. Your brain says, okay, <clears throat> there you have some visual stimulus that's sexually arousing, plus some other sensory input. Then your brain says, go or not to go. And so it's incredibly balanced between the parasympathetic system, the um, sympathetic nervous system, your body's inflammatory markers. I mean, it's unbelievably balanced. And it doesn't take much of an imbalance to cause a lot of dysfunction. I want, this is your show, by the way, so I will let you talk. Yeah, thank you. I love this. There actually. is one other concept I want to point out. People keep thinking stress is psychological, and it's not. It's your body's response to danger. So if your body is sensing threat for any way, shape, or form, it's going to react as a total body response. So again, this balance is thrown off. It can be a major trauma, but the biggest problem with stress is chronic stress. Not to be some big event, just chronic stress actually changes everything. Anyway, so going back to your, I just walked your office. You're, we're talk, we are talking about big traumas, which can happen. We're wanting to get comfortable just simply talking about the issue, which none of us want to talk about. And you, you talk about a four-step process. What, what the first step was? It's realize. Realize that your brain is creating this dysfunction and pain. Right. And then understand why your brain would create that, which is what you're talking about. Danger signals are being sent to the brain, whether it's via your own behaviors or even environmentally. You could be in a very traumatic environment. That is possible. Um, there could be repressed emotions that have not been fully felt and dealt with. There are a wide variety of things that can lead to danger signals being received, um, which are then creating pain or dysfunction. What we do from there is move on to step two, which we call reprocess. And that's reprocess pain reprocessing therapy is really the approach that we take with this. And it's to take the fear out of the pain or the dysfunction situation, being able to see it objectively because this fear pain cycle is something that is very common to get into, especially with men because they prioritize their private parts. They prioritize this part of their body. For example, I see a lot of men who sprain their ankle and it heals in six weeks, or they have an injury in their elbow or another part of their body They're like, oh, no big deal. It's going to heal up. But when they have an issue with their masculinity, with their sexuality, do they get even more scared than normal? Absolutely. So the fear goes way up 
the anxiety does then go way up, which actually propagates this issue and can make it chronic. And if it's become chronic, you can enter that long-term fight or flight. So the symptom reprocessing or reprocessing is what we call step two, is being able to feel pain when you're sitting down. And instead of being like, oh, I'm in pain again, like, what do I need to do? I need to fix this and you figure this out. What, what, what the F is going on? You are able to just sit there. And somatic tracking is a nice process for this. Somatic tracking is just noticing the sensation. I feel pain right here in my perineum. I'm just going to watch it. Curiously, I'm going to take some breaths. I'm not going to try to fix it right now. I'm also not going to damn it right now. I'm simply noticing what is. That actually does begin to shift the neural pathways over time because over time, you'll then be able to move to positive sensations. We're at least trying to bring a bit more neutrality and objectivity. And that's not the only thing we'll say, by the way. At this phase, I'm also going to give people some stretches to do, some trigger point releases, some calming practices, because it hurts really bad. And I'm not just going to tell you to sit down and watch your pain for the next six months. I want to give you ways that you can help feel better, even if you feel like you're doing something. But I'll make sure, I'll tell you, by the way, this is not curative. You can go to physical therapy because it will feel good. Someone can do body work for you. They can help realign the musculature, your pelvic tilt. It's going to help to reduce the symptoms some, but it doesn't go all the way in most cases, but it's low hanging fruit. If you're good and you just do physical therapy, awesome. But in most cases, it would show up somewhere else in your body or come back again later if you didn't really deal with the personality traits or the repressed emotions and those sort of things. So yeah, we well, do we, we do reprocessing at that stage. Well, we point out the first um, podcast, which blew my mind, is that the research shows actually humans cannot tolerate emotional pain and your body unconsciously chooses physical pain or creates it. The body doesn't know what to do with emotional pain. And so again, it doesn't have to be the exact cause of sexual dysfunction, but certainly probably more of a factor of sexual dysfunction than a lot of other parts of the body. Um, but anyway, so the first one is um, realization. The second step was reprocessing. What's the third? So the next thing we move on to, and I like to call it again, low-hanging fruit, like what 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 gives you the biggest relief? There is something called a knowledge cure right? Realize a knowledge cure. Dr. John Sarno talks a lot about someone read the book and now they're better. Someone, you know, listens to a podcast and it just goes away because they're able to let go. Now they understand why this has been happening. It's not because of that one time I fell down, you know, three years ago. It's because of this issue I had with my father that I can finally forgive as an example. So we moved to reprocessing. Now, if someone needs some more assistance, some more, we move to the next step, which is release. Release is creating space to be, bring in emotional awareness, noticing the emotions that you're feeling, and learning how to feel them. Like you mentioned earlier, I believe in our first episode, without labeling mentally or analyzing or thinking about why they're happening or thinking about why they're still here or why aren't they gone yet? No, it's just... F- fully feeling and emotional release ultimately. So it's being able to release that which comes up to the surface because life will trigger you. Life will trigger the stuff that's still inside of you. And whenever it comes up to the surface this time, can I feel it instead of pushing it away? 
And that's really what we focus more on on phase three. Again, as we have calming practices and breath work and meditations and stretches, because we want to give people tools. We can't press a button and force the release to happen, but that's ultimately like our next step. Well, and when you relax, it is a profound shift in your body's chemistry. Profound. You're putting fuel into the cells instead of consuming it. Nerve conduction slows down. Your body goes from inflammation to anti-inflammatory. That means a profound shift in your body's function when you go from threat to safety. So, okay, so we have realization, um, reprogramming. What was so it? Yeah, reprocess was second. Third is release. The fourth step that we go into is called reprogram. So reprogramming is I walked down the tunnel it was dark and scary, and I started to shed all of the layers. I saw that there was light at the end of the tunnel. I was walking towards it. You're going through the dark night of the soul, if you want to call it this. On the other end, you have transformed in some way. You are lighter now. You have let go of things that were weighing you down and creating genitourinary dysfunction. And now we can choose, right? Who are we being? So it's reprogramming aligning to our authentic self so that we're in truth. We're actually choosing who we're being and we're using mental rehearsal. We're seeing and engaging in the thoughts and the emotions that we choose now more proactively. So this can look like doing a meditation or writing down a list of I am affirmations. I am love. I am abundant. I am generous, whatever it is. So now that we've shed the not self, we're aligning and affirming the true self, which is what reprogram is. Well, I'd like to affirm something though, which is really a critical point. So you have to learn how to calm down and relax before you can affirm. So it's sort of shown if you use an affirmations to counteract the negativity, it actually is counterproductive. So, so positive vision and direction is really critical. So by trying to outrun your unpleasant circuits with positivity actually is counterproductive, it actually inflames your brain. So if I hear you correctly, just to be clear, you're doing the other work first before you can actually go and do where you want to go. That's exactly right. Yeah, we need to let go. We need to create safety. And you're kind of this pure, innocent self now, and you're still living in, in the world. There are impressions, there's media, there are familial relationships. Who are you going to choose to be now? Because you're going to have this greater internal power. So instead of just walking back out and perhaps engaging in other behaviors that would repress emotions once more, we're reprogramming. And truly, I mean, this is neuroplasticity, or if you look at the work through psychoneuroimmunology or epigenetics, we're now reprogramming epigenetically for a different genetic destiny um, is ultimately the approach on the last phase of our program. Yeah, I know it's fantastic. So let's review this one more time just to get a handle on this. So we, uh, I'll let you review it this time. <laughs> okay, no, for sure. Yeah, it's the four R's that we're going through. Realize, and then, so it's realizing that this is a mind-body syndrome and then reprocess, perceiving the pain, the symptoms, the dysfunction as messengers versus something to be fearful of because it's not creating a, a structural lasting damage in your body. 
And then we move to release, creating space for us to release emotions that have been repressed or suppressed. And then finally reprogramming, aligning to the greatest version of ourselves. If you want to say that it's reprogramming and stepping into what you are choosing to affirm now. Yeah, I'd like to emphasize one of the more major points you just made about creating that space. I use the word awareness and allowing some space. We use the word being kind to yourself. You know, create that space to be nice to yourself. We tend to be self-judgmental. And so when you're self-judgmental, judgmental of others, critical, or you're agitated, trying to prove something, when you're full of anxiety and anger, again, with your physiological state, you can't really create creativity you can't be creative about where you want to go if you're fighting off anger and anxiety part of the problem is this massive physiological response is a million times stronger than your conscious brain so if you're fighting off anxiety and anger you can't actually go where you want to go so what i love about your process is you created a nice spot right there to create space then you can reprogram fighting off your survival responses is not reprogramming so you learn how to process the survival responses as a separate skill set the reprogramming is his own skill set and they're obviously linked but if you're fighting off your survival reactions you can't be creative is that is that a fair reframe what you said i mean one thing i talk about with sexual dysfunction or or the pelvic floor things if you want to say that but um in the sexual dysfunction area a lot of people they imagine that they're a balloon and they try to add helium to that balloon by doing kegels and reverse kegels and edging practices. And I'm going to learn Taoist and tantric methods. And I'm going to do all these exercises and techniques and like pump this up with more and more helium. But the balloon is tied down to the ground. The balloon is tied the whole time with things like anxiety, or you have repressed emotions, personality tendencies, you have trauma, you have let go and untether yourself, the balloon's automatically going to rise higher. And then if you want to supercharge that balloon and learn some of those practices, what we could call reprogramming, by all means, we can do that too. But you need to go in the right, you know, chronological order. Yeah, I love that analogy about, oh, God, within a couple of years after I started this process, I did somehow realize what you're talking about, because there's nobody in more of a fiction mindset than a surgeon. And so I wrote a website post called A Bunch of Balloons, and what you're doing is you learn how to, you know, deal with these survival reactions, reprogramming, releasing, et cetera. I said, picture a bunch of balloons tied to the railing and you're just cutting the strings. And eventually balloons get to take off. It takes no effort to be in the air and just float around and be who you are. And it takes a lot of work to keep trying to fix, 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 fix yourself. It's like climbing this endless hill. And I think the Greek mythology of Sisyphus Sisyphus pushing the rock up the hill really represents exactly what we're trying to do, trying to fix something that doesn't need to be fixed. I mean, your body knows how to heal. You don't need to fix your body. And we get in the way and our fixing energies actually totally get in the way of actually allowing us to heal. So again, one thing you do, which I think is really critical, is you allow people to feel safe. You create some space. You let go and move forward. And I don't think you could depict the healing process in a clearer way than what you're doing with your process. I think it's just fantastic. Um, any other thoughts? I really like the way that you be able to pull this down. I mean, what you've done is somewhat what I've done. I'm an orthopedic surgeon. People go, well, 
what's an orthopedic surgeon doing talking about chronic pain? Well, I'm a human being. I'm also, you know, I have access to the literature. And so by going through it myself, you get to go through and dig and dig and dig and find out things that general medicine doesn't really teach us. And you're coming at it from your personal experience and your drive to dig as deeply as you can is really remarkable with remarkable insights. So any sort of final words for us just about your whole process and healing and, and what your thoughts are on, the, are on our topic today? One thing I would say is that don't be afraid to ask for help and being informed in the right areas guides you to the right help. But if you're really not sure and you're at the end of your rope, I encourage people to even metaphorically let everything fall to the ground. So just allow yourself to surrender and allow yourself to let go of needing to be healed, needing to be a certain way, trying to figure it out. The fact that it's been 10 years, the fact that no one's understood you, whatever, let everything go for a moment and be in this surrendered state of non-resistance. And if you're in a surrendered state of non-resistance, I encourage you to do this because I would say the next step will come to you and you will know. No, that's really, really nicely said. So thank you for that. So can you remind us how to get a hold of you? Yeah, definitely. Um, the website's transformpelvichealth.com. You can get some resources on there. We have some programs if you want to work with myself and anyone else on our team. And we have a YouTube channel, social media, if you want to follow our videos and anything like that. So love to support anyone that we can. Fantastic. Well, Michael, again, thank you very much. And uh, we'll stay in touch. Awesome. Thank you so much. I'd like to thank our guest, Michael Hodge, for being on the program today and explaining the details of his four-step approach to healing pelvic pain. I'm your host, Tom Masters, reminding you to be back next week for another episode of Back in Control Radio with Dr. David Hanscom. And in the meantime, be sure to visit the website at www.backincontrol.com. Thanks for listening today, and join us next week for Back in Control Radio.